Welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. Hello, hello, hello. This is Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. Your Cancer Guy. And again, today we have another phenomenal guest. Yes, another phenomenal guest. And I believe you're going to be extremely excited for the information that this person is going to be giving. She has a wonderful spirit. She is amazing. Just her, her smile lights up the room. And uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to be, have her here, to actually. And I'm going to go into a little bit of storytelling. This is, this is something that I typically don't do, but this is very interesting. That just happened this week. So I came across someone um, that had brain cancer. And this person um, reached out to me and I complimented them. And uh, she started talking to me about what was going on in her life because she was newly diagnosed just, just within the last, you know, few weeks. And so she's now, she's been diagnosed with a GBM, which is a glioblastoma. So um, I started talking to her, you know, because I've seen this, right? I've, tr- I've treated it with radiation before. So I kind of have an understanding of what um, the process is that you go through a little bit as far as treatments are concerned. And so we start talking and she says to me, you know, Kenny, I've been having these um, troubling thoughts, thoughts of suicide. Mm. And um, I thought, wow, you know, this, this news can be overwhelming for sure. And to think that you just want to end it all is not uncommon either. And there's no judgment on that. You know, this is what she felt. And so I said to her, you know what, this is what you need to do. Call your physician right away, right? Because in order for you to get help with your thinking, you need to get to a physician that can help you with that. You know, whether that be, uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, someone that can help you with your, with those thoughts. And so she says, well, I have one, I have an appointment and it's about three weeks from now. I said, that's three weeks too long. I need you to call as soon as possible, even though your appointment's not, not now call, let them know that you're having troubling thoughts. And, um, I believe they were going to get you in a lot sooner. Okay. So that just happened within the last couple of days. And so here I am today. Okay. I am here today on an interview with someone, a phenomenal human being, right? Her smile lights up the room and she's dealing with glioblastoma. Okay. And she's dealt with this for the last five plus years. She's still here. And the reason I said that, right, the reason I said that is because the girl who I spoke to, they said that she only had a few months. And so the real, the real deal here is this, from a professional standpoint, whether you're a physician, you know, a healthcare professional, we see these things, you look at your diagnosis and someone gives you a time, it's an estimate, doesn't necessarily, that means it's true. Most of the time, most of the time, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. However, 
when you have someone here today that's lived five years with a glioblastoma, what does that tell you? It's not always, the diagnosis is not always uh, the truth that as far as your, what you're going to live, how, how long you're going to live. That was my point. And, but I did, tell, I did tell this young lady, I said to her, you know what? I treated, I treated a person 16 years ago. And it's more than 16 years ago, but it was 16 years ago when I worked there. And 16 years later, after treating her glioblastoma, she was still with us. Not only was she with us, she produced life. She has a little girl now. Mm. And so it's amazing. It's amazing on what the human body can do. And um, I'm just privileged to be in this position and have a platform that I can help individuals. So I wanted to say that because our next guest, Anuchka, she has dealt with this. She has not only dealt with it, she is thriving. And I want to make sure that you guys get to meet her. Let me bring her to the stage. Miss Anushka, welcome to All Talk Oncology. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. (laughs) It's our privilege. It's our privilege. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. That story was very touching. And, uh, you know, it actually really hit home with me because that's the main reason I'm here today doing what I do is because of the prognosis that ignited this fire within me, this passion to really make sure I share that message to the world, which we can, of course, get to down the road. Um, But that's just something that I just wanted to share that there is no predictable future. So maybe there's prognoses, but that's my number one message for folks out there that no one can predict your future. And so you got to take on the mind, body, spirit and really heal from those, all those aspects as tough as it can be. Yeah. Well said, well said. And how important is mind, body, and spirit, right? As you're going through something as horrific as cancer, right? It, 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 it scares us. It's, uh, the, if we don't know much about it, only thing we've seen is, is what's portrayed on television or the things that we've heard or we only hear about the stories that the people who don't make it, but what about the people who do? Absolutely. Right. And that's the part that I think it just, it boils me from within that unfortunately more cancer survivor and thriver stories aren't shared, especially like you said, on like movies and series. It's like, the narrative out there is cancel cancer equals death when in fact it can so be a different story and it could really be that cancer can provide the healing and growth that you never thought you would ever have. Like for myself, I see it as a rebirth, which in four days, it will be my five year rebirth actually on the 23rd of August. And so I truly believe that if we were to shift that narrative of cancer is not equal death, but cancer is a gift. And that can really open your eyes up to so much more. I feel like that'll take out the fear in people like the lady you spoke with earlier this, this week who 
when it's, you know, had suicidal thoughts. I mean, that's just really sad to think that someone hears cancer and immediately goes to, I don't even want to be here anymore, rather than looking further deep within themselves from a mind, body, spirit perspective, because that is crucial. It is crucial to look at every single piece and really balance and heal every single piece of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't, I can't express enough how much, how important it is that you have the proper mindset as you get through this and you're going to be tested. And I, I, as I, as I say, as I say all the time is that, you know, everyone was living their life, right? Anushka, you were living your life prior to your diagnosis. And when that happens, it's like you get card to the VIP line of life. And now you're forced, you didn't ask for it. So you're forced to deal with a situation that in your mind could be life or death. Right. And if, and, I, and, and to be honest, right, if you do not take care of it, it's not going to end well. I mean, let's, I mean, let's be completely honest here. And so it takes, it takes a lot for an individual to come in, to find within, to, to find within to battle this disease. Oh, absolutely. It, I really believe that had it not been for the, that's why I call it a rebirth, right? If it hadn't been for going through that and facing death, because I was told uh, before, so it was glioblastoma is the tumor that I had. I consider it healed, right? I don't even use the word remission. I don't believe in the word remission. And to me, that's like, oh, temporarily it might come back. And like, no, I'm healed. I'm cured. And that's how I coach people to really view it that way. Our words are so powerful. And for me, it was more of a, hey, look, this is what you're dealt with. The doctor is giving you something in a predicted future based on statistics and lumping you in statistics where we all have unique DNA. We all have unique fingerprints. So how can I be lumped into a statistic when I don't know what kind of thoughts those other individuals were having, what kind of food they were eating, what kind of faith they had, what kind of energy, high frequency or what low frequency they had, right? There's no, none of that information out there for me to say, oh yeah, I'm the same as those people. And so for me, it was just being faced with that, being faced with death really had me just skyrocket. I just, I always use the word, it catapulted me to grow beyond what I would have grown. Maybe, maybe at least 15, 20 years of growth, if not more, and become this new me that I stand before you right now and do the work that I do and to hold space for others to get to that place too. I love it. I love it. And there's go. And I'm so happy that you catapulted, you know, (laughs) 15, 20 years, because you know what you, you, your vibe is, is so contagious. And so let me ask you this, Kanishka, mm-hmm. what were you doing prior to the diagnosis? Like, let's get a, let's get a, a view of what life was like prior to the diagnosis, what you were doing, how you were living life. <laughs> yeah. So I am of Persian background. Uh, I was kind of, I'm an international, just to give you a background about me. Born in Germany, grew up as Persian parents, raised in Colorado, and now live in San Diego. And I graduated with a computer science and engineering degree back in 2003. 
So that's when I started my software engineering, programming, IT world, right? I was an IT consultant for 14 plus years until 2017 upon hearing this diagnosis and prognosis um, that literally changed my life for the good, for the better, of course. Um, with that, I mean, I had started to, I would, I would say this, like, I'm very clear that growing up, I didn't have the best uh, childhood experiences um, and not the best relationships. So in my 20s, I was definitely quite angry and probably resentful when it came to uh, relationships and whatnot. And I definitely enjoyed my, my way to numb it out was to just go out dance. I love dancing. And I, I always think of dancing as like a soul's way of communicating. And it's just the soul's language. But the thing is, I definitely drank quite a bit to numb it out. And so in terms of that, wasn't the healthiest, was eating, you know, the junk foods and the tacos and nachos and all the not so healthy food. Although I had started shifting that in my early 30s. And um, at that point, I started doing a lot of personal transformation and self-development work. And so I always say I'm so grateful that I started that path to really learn about myself, to transform parts of me, my inner wounds, those limiting beliefs, starting to unravel and heal. I believe life is a healing journey. And I started to peel and heal those layers. And all of a sudden, then I started having these headaches and gradually they kept getting worse and worse to the point of vomiting in the spring of 2017 to the point that I finally scheduled an MRI. And so that's when I went in on August 23rd of 2017 and they didn't let me leave. And that's hence why that's my rebirth day. Wow. So you're living life, you're dancing it out, right? You're dancing the pain away, having a few drinks, you know, living it out. That's your 20s, right? You understand that. That's kind of, you're kind of exploring and figuring things out. So you're doing that. And then these headaches come about. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, you find yourself in the hospital. What was your thought at that point? You just, this is just kind of like a routine exam what was it yeah I really I thought I honestly thought it was migraines I I was from what I had understood when friends of mine have had migraines it all sounded similar to migraines I'm like oh you get really bad headaches and then you vomit and that's just what migraines oh and I was getting auras um I would just see auras especially if I worked out intensely I would get these strange auras and again it's like sign symptom of migraine um, and then I, I just went in thinking this is going to be a peace of mind. I, I had planned, I had, I was in a volleyball league at the time. I played volleyball. It's like an obsession of mine. Uh, mental health is really what it's for. <laughs> and I went, um, in, I told my team, Hey, I'm going to be there. And then I never went at that point. So I went in there thinking I'm going to go here for a peace of mind that it's nothing other than a headache and a migraine. Um, which was not the case. And um, really, I'm so grateful to my primary care doctor at the time because because of her integrative background, she went 
she even said to me, she's like, I just had like, I just have this hunch. Let's just, let's just have you get this MRI. It seems like it's a migraine, but let's just have you get an MRI just to clear that out. And I'm so grateful to her for that because I feel like had it been another doctor, they might've just given me pills and prescriptions for migraines. So that's, that's pretty much how it came about. And then I was kept like, instead of it being a peace of mind, a 15 minute MRI, it turned into without, it was supposed to be with no contrast. I, I didn't even know what this contrast is, this dye they put in you to be able to really see um, clearly uh, and whatnot. And so next thing I know, they're injecting me with this contrast and an hour later, uh, they take me in my hospital robe and they escort me to the emergency room where I just stood there not having any idea why. And they couldn't tell me because the doctor had to speak to me. Yeah. Well, so this, this is a huge transition here, right? I mean, MRI to ER to now, okay, what the heck? You can't even talk to me about what's happening. That, that is starting to get a little scary here, right? Yeah, it was very much like, I mean, again, so thankful for the self-development personal transformation work I had done because it allowed me to be really present and just because at that point I'm like, okay, getting upset over something I have no idea about is just not going to like, what good is that going to do for me? Right. And so I just kept staying with it and I just kept staying positive and I kept telling myself like, no matter what, like it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. I did in that because I went by myself. So at that point, I did call my fiance at the time, who's now my husband, and he rushed to the hospital. Um, like slowly, he started calling my mom, and you know, like kind of very, very softly giving them the news. Um, and so then they showed me in the emergency room. They showed me the image of my brain and the tumor, and I remember just standing there with the doctor and like nine nurses surrounding all of like this monitor and this avocado sized tumor that was just like that caused my midline to just curb and I I just couldn't believe that I'm like this is my brain (laughs) I couldn't believe I'm like how am I standing here how am I talking with you all because I didn't know that right frontal lobe and I didn't know any of that right it's clueless at that point not realizing that right frontal lobe is all the silent symptoms, which then later I was like, oh my God, no wonder why I didn't, you know, all the things that I realized had completely shifted in me. I realized it was all because it was squishing that right frontal lobe. Like I felt like a dead soul, like mm-hmm. things that I loved, like volleyball and dance, like felt like blah to me, like organization had complied, lost organization, like all this is on the right frontal lobe. And so I realized this like way later. Right. Um, But in that moment, they said, "Okay, now we got to take you up to the ICU for the swelling to be reduced. And so then that's what we did. And honestly, we I had people visiting me left and right, um, friends, and I kept telling them only with love. Are you allowed to enter this room? And I remember there was um, there was like a fight. I can't like uh, McGregor and what was that box? The boxer. Anyhow, there was a fight and we actually ordered it and we made a party in the ICU. Look at so. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, made the best of it. Right? For sure. Surgery. Yeah. For sure. You know, I, 
I'm trying to put the timeline together. I don't know if that was the Mayweather McGregor. Yes, that that was. Yeah. I'm like, it was a yeah. I'm like, it, it's me started with an M as well. It was the Mayweather yeah. McGregor. Yep. Oh yeah. my goodness! Like you can imagine all these things happening here. You're you're in there watching the fight. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Surrounded by, t- I think the ICU nurses and doc- everybody was like, like, wow. <laughs> And hey, that's uh, that's just how I went about it. I'm like, hey, I, I will never stop partying. Yes. <laughs> I may change the way I party, but yes. I'm all about the high vibing. It's important. It's important. And you know, here you are. You are the fighter. You know, you were watching a fight, but you were also getting ready to fight for yourself at this point too. So, what a uh, I don't know what a way to, to pre- present that. Right. I mean, that's interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. And so here you are, you're getting you you find this avocado size tumor in your brain going, what? So what does the doctor tell you at this point? What I mean, what is their plan of attack of, you know, treating this? So at this point, um, I mean, it took a while for finally the actual surgeon. But thankfully, the surgeon was also the, the chief um, of, just, I believe it's chief of surgeons. I, I don't know the chief title. Of staff. Mm-hmm. Chief of staff. So he came and um, he said that he gave us like what was going to happen in terms of the surgery. Because like I said, the 23rd is when I went in. 28th was when my surgery was scheduled. And so he said, I'm going to go in there. It looks that thankfully it was encapsulated the tumor. So with GBM, a lot of times, like they, they form like these fingers. I don't know. Anyhow, I don't want to get into details of them. So he, in his, in his professional opinion, he said that he's most likely going to be able to remove and resect the entire tumor. And thankfully, um, and I'm one of those, I'm like, I don't want to know details. Just you're the expert, do the work. (laughs) Don't tell me what's going to happen. I don't need to know. Uh, I just trusted him. I'm very much based. I go based on intuition. I felt really good about him as the surgeon. I felt like he was really good at what he does and um, whatnot. And so the three to four hour surgery that it was supposed to take three to four hours. He was done within an hour and he was able to get the entire tumor plus the margins. Wow. And yeah. And then I was out the ICU within 24 hours. I mean, the night after surgery was, oh my gosh, that, that was not my favorite night. I'll say that. No. It was a little freaky <laughs> with all the drugs and everything inside my body. I think my body, I just, it was a little scary, but I think that was the scariest of the time that I was at the hospital and the rest, it was just taking it moment by moment. And that's really the key is just one step at a time, focusing on one step at a time, one step at a time. You know, talk about that a little bit, right? Because I think it's so easy for us as human beings to overthink and to look far into the future or mm-hmm. what if this or that. Talk to us a little bit about how you stayed in the moment. You know, I again, it's one of the things that I, I believe really is beneficial for people is to work with some type, either do some transformation work or have someone that guides them like a coach or a mentor or something. Uh, and I, I really believe that that, that is what allowed me to just keep saying, okay, like, let's just focus on what's going on right now in the present. Like, 
All I know right now is that I have a bandage over my head and I don't want to look at myself in the mirror. And I, I, I remember just saying, I want a room that doesn't have a mirror in it until I'm ready. And so I feel like I just kept allowing whatever was within not, I just wasn't allowing myself to go to the what if. Even at one point, I remember one of the doctors that just a random doctor came to check on us. Uh, more so, I believe, because he was uh, friends with my brother-in-law, who was a doctor at the hospital. And he just started talking about chemo and different things around that. And I'm like, wait, we don't even have the pathology. Like, why are you going there? There may be a case that I, I don't even need that. Like, and I, I had to tell him to take him out the room. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear what's next. What I'm focusing on right now is healing. And so the key is to constantly just focus on what's so in the present moment. It's like, if you go in, into the what if, well, there's an infinite possibility of what ifs. So why choose a negative one? Like there can be so many positive what ifs too, right? So instead of going there, it's like, well, just the key is first and foremost, focus here, focus. Okay. What needs to be done now is my body needs to heal from this massive surgery. And so I kept just shutting the, cause thoughts always happen, right? I kept shutting it off and just bringing it back to the present moment and just not allowing my brain to go there, my thoughts to go there. And it's normal for that to happen. It's, it's, oh my gosh, it's like a roller coaster of emotions. Absolutely. And again, that's why it's so beneficial to have someone to vent to that's outside of your family. Cause that was my thing. I didn't want my family to freak out either. Right. So I was to some, I mean, I was pretty, I feel like empowered, but of course, I was also having a little bit of the what if thoughts, especially after the prognosis piece. And the last thing I wanted to do was worry my own family by expressing that to them. So that's why for me, it was so beneficial to work with someone else. Like how I hired a coach at that point. So that way I can, it's like some party that doesn't really have any association with my family and there is not no emotions involved. Right. So it gave me that free and that free safe space to be able to just vent when necessary. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that it's extremely important. And, and, you know, as, as cancer coach, as a cancer coach, I believe that, right. You, you need to be able to create space for people to be able to discuss some of these issues and, and get guided along the way. And so for you to know how to stay present and to not, not allow yourself to wander off into what if land Absolutely amazing. And then because that's what we teach. And so I love I love that. I'm glad you you sat here and gave us some time on that, on how you manage that. This was awesome. So let me tell you. So this here we are. You're managing this. You're in a room, no mirrors. You're not ready for that. You know, how did the treatments go? So now they come into you and they're and they're talking to you about treatments. What 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 comes up? So, well, that, yeah, that was like a whole, that, that was just, sometimes it's like a blur and I'm so thankful that I journaled as much as I did back then. I journaled publicly, by the way, I was just like, might as well just share everything I'm going through with social media and all those that are curious what's going on. So I'm not getting like hundreds of text messages. 
Um, so thankfully I don't say, I feel like I have better timeline of it. The next step was waiting for the pathology of like, now we have the diagnosis of what it was, right. Or like that it's a tumor. And now it's like, well, what is it actually? What based on that, then you get the treatments and whatnot. Uh, and that took about six weeks, uh, which everybody else was freaking out. And I just kept saying, look, it's, it is what it is. We'll know when we know everything is going to be fine. And, and I just kept telling people, I'm like, just leave me alone stop. Like that, that's like my biggest thing for those out there that are dealing with someone in their life that has cancer of some kind, like just don't ask so many questions of them because <laughs> it's like, it, it can be, it's already, it's already necessary for that person to just focus on just healing and focus on like the positive aspect and just being asked questions left and right can just disrupt that. And so at some point I just had to just put my phone away. Cause uh, I just said, look, when I know the news, like just, you want to know about what's going on with me, check social media. That's the only way I'm communicating with people. And so six weeks later, they came back. They said that, um, initially they said it's a stage three angio something. I don't care for labels. And, um, even that, and there, then the doctor, I remember just saying, you have three to five years to live. And I just, of course, like saw my life flashing before my eyes and not my past. It was interesting. I always thought like when they say that in movies, like you see your past life for me, it was my future life. I was like, what? I'm supposed to be getting married. I was going to be getting married in like six months, seven months down the road and like having kids and like all these things and all that just flashed before my eyes. And the same time I was asking him all these questions and just writing and no idea what I was writing. But I just remember thinking and looking at him and telling him undeniably, like this, that's not going to be me. Watch me. This is not my time to go. Like, I no, like watch me. And, um, and he did at that point say, you know, th- there's going to be radiation and then six months of chemo and whatnot. Well, my husband, well, fiance at the time was like, no, we need a third, we need a third opinion from the best of the best MD Anderson. At that point, thankfully they had just partnered with Scripps. So we send it off to MD Anderson and next thing you know, instead of getting better news, it gets escalated to the glioblastoma. And at that point, I mean, as as Kenny just shared, it's considered to be the worst and most aggressive type of brain cancer. And um, of course, the prognosis is much less, right? Which I told them, I'm like, do not share that with me. <laughs> like, I do not want to know what the prognosis is. I'm like, that's just, you took it out. Just let's deal with what's next. So that was very important for me because I didn't need to know all that. I also always tell people that I coach, like my clients, like, don't, don't go after Dr. Google, like don't search anything. Just don't do that. Focus on healing. And that's that because there's the worst kind of information that you can find out there. And as someone as strong minded as me can get impacted by that, I can only imagine. Right. And it took three weeks for me to be able to even shift the three to five years and create a future vision. I created this future vision of to 90 and beyond. And I just kept like, I printed out 
the actual, like I made a vision and like the, you know, vision boards, vision, I printed it out, literally had it like taped up all over my house, my screensavers and everything and kept just reiterating it over and over and over to shift the three to five years to 90 and beyond. So that way I can just get that out of my head. Again, I love that guys though. Right. I love that. (laughs) Right. I mean, the things we say to ourselves, the words that we speak to ourselves are so powerful. So, I mean, they create our reality. They create our reality. And that's why I'm, I always tell people like this prognosis piece, as much as it angered me at the time, I'm grateful for it because it's what literally ignited the fire under it. It's like I needed to hear the glioblastoma to really be like, oh, oh no, right? Even like the stage three one, it's still, yes, it hit me hard, but it wasn't like the GBM one. When that, when I heard that, I'm like, I'm willing to give up meat and everything else. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but and I cried through it, but I did. <laughs> but you know, let me tell you, it brought out that warrior mentality. Absolutely. It, it's Absolutely. so needed. That's why I say cancer patients. No, they're cancer warriors. They're cancer patients are warriors. Yes. It takes a special type of person to stand up to this Goliath-like situation and say, no, I want to fight. I want to live. Yeah. And I'm going to do what it takes. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I really believe that that's like, I went through that. I went through all of that to be able to do what I do now and uh, like allow others to follow in my footstep, inspire them to see like, Hey, it's not over just because you hear the word cancer and really work on shifting that their mindsets. Like you said, mindsets from fear to faith and then just having them perceive this as a rebirth rather than a death. Right. Yes. Yes. So you go through treatments, you go through, I'm going to imagine here, some chemo, you get some radiation. Yep. Right? Okay. So these, these things are happening to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, though, I mean, just to give a little bit of background to yes, the, the steroids they had me on. I want to share this because doctors are amazing and there's only so much they know. Mm. And they I was on different seizure meds and I wasn't really told the side effects of like what was going to happen. And I wasn't told the steroids suppress allergic reactions. So once I started tapering off the steroids, I ended up, and then we found this out 10 days later, I ended up being allergic to Dilantin, a seizure med. No idea that this was the reason. And because I had been taking these seizure meds for the whole time, the last thing I thought was that it would be the seizure. I kept thinking maybe it's this food and we kept eliminating things until finally my husband, I think it like, 3 a.m. one night discovered that dilantin causes these crazy rashes. Like I would say those 10 days, I had thoughts of like, maybe it's just better if I just died (laughs) because the rashes were so bad. I was itching so bad from head to toe. Like I wanted to literally scratch my eyeballs out and I couldn't sleep at night because I was taking them at nighttime. So they would kick in. And then the entire night, it just, my entire body just felt like thousands of mosquito bites. And so 
that happened. And then with that, I also had to do the, we did, and we did uh, the first portion of IVF before radiation and everything. So that's something else I always like to recommend for those that are going through this just to be, I mean, that's great that you had someone 16 years later, be able to have um, like be able to produce a new baby. Right. Right now, my husband and I are going through fertility and we're starting to do fertility treatments. And I'm so grateful that I we froze embryos before we did the radiation. Talk a little bit about that, right? The IVF. Talk, I mean, what is, and, what is that exactly? Yeah, so in, it's, and I know I'm learning all this myself these days too. So in vitro is they um, pretty much you go through uh, this like hormonal, like two weeks of hormonal shots and whatnot as a female. And then they, they take out the eggs, take eggs out your body. Um, I'm being very like cliff notes here, take out eggs from your body. And then they take your husband. Then you can now, if you're single, you just freeze those eggs. Right. But if you're in, in a marriage or a relationship, then you can actually take the sperm of your partner and, have them create these embryos and then you can freeze these embryos, which later can be implanted and move forward with fertility treatments and whatnot. So that's more procedures more. Yeah. So there's exactly. And so that's something I'm grateful we did because right now we've been having some difficulty um, conceiving. And so now we're actually starting to move towards Western and seeing what we can do in that, in that, terms and most likely we'll be using these embryos right so thankful for that and then after that after i healed from that is when i started radiation for six weeks with chemo and the chemo was oral form so it's called temodar tmz is um what the the ones for brain cancer and then after those six weeks i didn't actually fully finish out the chemo i did the radiation because my platelets dropped so then I had to do platelet transfusion. That that was not fun. Uh, just with the platelet platelets dropping, you know, energy levels dropping and all that. And then, of course, I had to shave my head because half my hair, more than half, like two thirds of my hair, started falling out due to radiation. And and for those, I'll pause you for that. For those that don't know, people always think radiation causes your hair to fall out. Well, it really depends on where the radiation is being directed. Right. Yeah. So not all radiation treatments causes your hair to fall out. But if you're having radiation directly on your head, then it's going to affect those those hair follicles and that will fall out. So I just wanted to clear that up for those that think radiation makes your hair fall out, even if you're getting breast breast, oh, uh, yeah, no, breast yeah. treatments or prostate treatments. That's not how it works. So just wanted to clarify that. Sorry. Yep. Oh, yeah. no, thank you. And actually, one of the things that the radiation uh, doctor, my radiation radiology doctor said, too, is had my tumor been even further in, there was a chance that it wouldn't have even impacted my hair follicles. But because it was so close to my school, that the hair follicles were also being impacted. So that that was and I mean, I did everything you can imagine to prolong that from happening. Um, but at the end, I mean, there's only so much. I mean, I like literally would, wouldn't wash my hair for like a week. I would keep it in a braid. I put all kinds of essential oils and everything that you can imagine. And then, of course, um, on the day of my bridal shower is when it all started falling out. That was a whole nother story. Um, but after radiation was done, I initially 
I was a little, I mean, look, as a female, it's very tough to just go from like really long hair to just say, okay, now shave it all off. Right. And I always say like, don't feel forced to do it, do it from a place of power, like choose it, choose it powerfully and begin to see it as like, Hey, getting rid of the hair, actually you're getting rid of emotions too, that have been just sitting in the hair. Our hair holds onto emotions. And so I started to finally get to a place of peace around that and realizing that, Hey, if I'm going through a rebirth and a newborn is bald, so might as well just go bald. Right. And so I ended up getting my hair shaved and one of my friends did it with me. We did it live actually on Facebook and uh, went bald. And then shortly after started chemotherapy for a year. Wow. I love your perspective, right? And that finding a way to empower yourself through that, it's not easy, right? Especially, I wouldn't know, right? I I mean, as as a female, the hair and how important that is, it's a part of your femininity, sexuality and everything else. And so to find empowerment, you know, to do that and to associate it going, you know what, this is a part of rebirth. Amazing. And, and that helps you, it helps you that right there is so important. It helps you to see how much of a role perspective plays, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I wasn't, I remember when that whole, when my hair started falling out and it was stuck, like I literally was sitting there brushing through it with my mom there. She just kept saying, cut the hair. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready for two hours, which by the way, proved to me how determined and dedicated of a person I am. Cause she's like, just cut it off. I wasn't ready. So it's like, also don't force others to do it. Like allow them, like allow them to come to it on their own. Because that can really cause a lot of like emotions instead of releasing of emotions too, right? And look, I love being bald. It was the best. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) (laughs) I actually wanted to keep it for longer. My husband's like, I love you, bald. You look gorgeous. And I like your hair. So, yeah. I've seen your pictures. You rocked it well. Yeah, it was nice. It was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you get through these treatments, you know, talk to us now, like, what is life like now for you? Ah, You know, I always tell people I feel better, healthier. I look better than I ever have. I feel like in my life, I really enjoy what I do for work. I really get touched by those that I witness transforming. I feel like taking them from that caterpillar to a butterfly is just like, it like brings me to tears. And I never actually realized like before all this, I never teared up from gratitude. Whereas now it's like, I can feel tears just forming when I feel that much great, like great, like the gratitude that I feel towards different things, right? And I just feel like I'm able to be more vulnerable, be my my authentic self. One of the main reasons I used to drink is to be able to be myself and to like release those inhibitions. And I don't feel like I, I I'm, I'm that already. I don't have the need to do that anymore. And I just feel like I'm living my life to the fullest in the face of any circumstance, right? So even through this whole fertility journey, 
which is, I truly believe my next level. And most likely I'm going to be a fertility coach in addition to cancer and all that. Right. I really do believe that through all this, I'm allowing myself to feel all the emotions because that's the most important thing is to really feel all your emotions and release them, not suppress them. That's some of the biggest work that I do with clients because when we suppress them, that's when they start showing up in the body as physical symptoms. So again, why I believe that cancer is truly a gift for you to really go deeper and heal what's already there to be healed. It's like a message. It's a message to really just let go of what you've been holding on to and struggling with. And like me, catapult to your next level. Absolutely. And, you know, you said it, you said it, Anushka, I, I, I feel the same way. And I had to figure out why that was. If you listen to what Anushka says, she said, she gets tears, the emotion of being able to help someone and to see them grow from a, caterp- a caterpillar to a butterfly, to see that transformation in helping someone. It does something for you inside. It's a gift from God. You know, you, we all hear this saying, right? There's more happiness in giving than there is receiving. But when you give to someone like that and you actually get to physically see that, what your giving has is doing to someone's life. It does. It's absolutely, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing, it's, it's a, it's from, it's from God. It's a spiritual thing to be able to know that you can impact someone. And for you to now be able to really appreciate that, right. Because now you, you're actually eyewitnessing, eyewitnessing. And I think it's, it's phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it really does. Ah, yeah. I, I believe that that's like, that's my purpose in life. And I believe that this is maybe I would have gotten here, like I said, 15, 20 years later, but I feel like I'm so grateful for this experience. Now I don't ever want to experience it again, (laughs) but I'm so grateful for the experience because of what I do now. And for me to be able to share that message and share that, look, like, don't listen to those prognoses. Uh, it's, you know, most people have heard of placebo, but a lot of people don't realize what nocebo is. Uh, and just, just, just like placebo effect where you take a sugar pill and you believe that this sugar pill is like a medication, for instance, right? And because of your belief in it, you end up getting healed, right? So nocebo works the exact same way, but it's the exact from the negative perspective, from the opposite. So you hear a prognosis and the negativity of that, of that, the words and hearing that, oh, I'm going to die in six to 18 months or whatnot. And then you believe that we believe those words. Well, and then that's where that vicious cycle gets created. Right. And so that's why I always say is like, look, nothing can prove it. We can't even predict weather. How many times do they say, this is what the weather is going to be like. And then an hour later it changes. Right. Absolutely. So it's just, that's like one of my biggest things that no matter who I talk with, uh, whether they work with me or not, or whatever message I want to put out there is like, look, prognosis is just not true. 
I mean, yes, there's stats, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be your predicted future because no one can predict that. No one but God. <laughs> no human, no human can predict that. There you go. No, I'm I'm right with you. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I, I, I say that, right? Statistics, you have to let them know these things are happening from a professional standpoint. I understand the doctor's role. In Absolutely. I do understand it. I've uh, been in this medical field for a very long time, but as a patient and that me as a patient advocate, you can't allow that to determine that's going to happen to you. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for helping us and walking us through that, especially because it's your journey and this is what's empowering. You've done this and here you are five years later doing it, not only doing it, but thriving, doing it. Yes. I'm living proof, as I say. (laughs) Yes. Living proof. So tell me, what is it about life now that you find the most joy in? You know, I think for me, just the connection that I have with people, like I'm a very, I'm, I would say 98% extrovert and just being able to authentically connect with people and not, not do the surface kind of conversations and just be myself and know that those that are meant to be in my life will be in my life. And those that might not be able to handle, cause I, I am a little extra and I love it. I'm, I live out loud and I don't believe that there's anything wrong with that. And I believe everyone should live out loud. And I believe that with that, I've been able to create amazing, amazing connections with those in my life, whether it's my own family, friends, volleyball community, clients, it doesn't matter. So I, I just have a lot of joy when it comes to just living my life to the fullest and and really doing the work that I do and having people see that there's another way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, connection is such an amazing thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it shouldn't be taken for granted. I, I, it comes easy for some, some it does not. But when you can find it, that feeling that, that you get and that you share, because it's not just you, the feeling that you share with someone else is absolutely it's amazing. Absolutely. And the balance of that, by the way, because one thing I really learned through this journey was self-love. And I believe that so many of us growing up lack self-love. And so sometimes we may be too giving. And that was me. I was way too giving. And so there was never a balance. And whenever that happens, you have high expectations, high standards of others, and then disappointment happens. So also in those connections, like knowing your healthy boundaries and having this balance doesn't mean equal, but balance exchange of energy between you and those others. I love that. You know, I love that. Because, you know, having boundaries and dealing with people is, is critical. It's critical in, in, in keeping your own sanity. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's great to know that through the connection, right? Because people like you and I, because I'm an extrovert, obviously, and it's amazing to me 
but the amount of connection could be off balance, right? You find yourself giving more than another, another individual. So you have to learn to be balanced. I love that you said that. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I learned the hard way. And so it's something that I always will share as a, one of my many messages. (laughs) This is a great tool, you know? And so I want to say thank you for just being you, you know, sharing your story as everyone does here on All Talk Oncology. But thank you for that. Thank you for telling us what it is that gives you joy now, you know. And so what is a message that you would like to tell our listeners who are, who are tuned in right now? What What is something, what is it? Give them a gem that you find important. I Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know I kind of mentioned, I, I really do want to put a lot of like, I guess, weight on this because I so believe that life is truly a healing journey. I believe we're here to heal. We're here to heal one layer at a time and there's infinite layers. That's what we're here for as a human experience, right? We're spiritual beings having a human experience and that any physical symptom that we really experience within our body, whether it's cancer or an autoimmune or whatever that may be, there is a message behind it. A message to really see what inner wounds do we have, whether childhood or adulthood, it doesn't matter. What trauma is there? And I mean, for some people out there that believe past lives too, right? And really looking at these physical symptoms as a message to what's been suppressed deep down and really getting to the subconscious part because we're so unaware of the many, many different subconscious beliefs that we have, mainly because the mind has this amazing way of blocking things out, especially pain, especially trauma. And then we become numb to it. And then over time, all this suppressed, whether it's resentment or anger or whatever that may be, ends up showing up somewhere in the body. And so just being aware of your body and wait, like really catching those whispers, like those little headaches that I had, catching them early, not waiting until those whispers become a scream. Because if you don't catch the whisper, it gets louder and louder and louder. And eventually your body's going to start screaming at you in the form of brain cancer for me, right? Or whatever else that looks like. Powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Neska, thank you so much for joining us here on All Talk Oncology. It was such a such a privilege of having you here. And you know, thank you for having it, me. Oh, it is it is our honor. You know, and I, I tell our listeners, it almost didn't happen, you know, <laughs> with uh, with us, but we made it happen. Yes. And, and let me tell you this: when you want something to happen, and I, I believe this, there's nothing that's gonna stop you from making it happen. Once you make a decision, it's gonna happen. So here we are, Niska, you, you are a light to a lot of individuals that are going through uh, their own trauma and continue doing what you do. And thank you for bringing your story here on All Talk Oncology. Thank you so much for having me, Kenny. I appreciate it. Sure. I love what you're up to. This is amazing. Thank you. As I say in every single episode, you're not alone in this. 
We're in this together. This is your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. Your Cancer Guy. Until again, I'm out. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.